Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. We call for these mighty men of valor. The Lord put a vision in my heart for a new movement amongst men in the body of Christ. The Lord says that I'm going to make champions out of those who would gather unto me. And I believe what men on the front lines will do. And I see it going into the nations. He's going to raise the bar among men. It's time for heroes to arise. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise. Men on the Front Lines live social media broadcast, equipping, encouraging, and empowering you to arise as the hero, warrior, and champion that God created you to be. You matter, you are important, and you have a key role to play for the kingdom and the earth. So thanks for joining me again this week so we can continue to pour into you. And this week, what we want to talk about is how can we bring healing to the divided states of America? You know, I believe God had a plan and a purpose when he made this nation, he brought it forth, and it was called the United States of America. There is power in unity. There is, is, is when, when we come into unity, we come into an agreement that we're stronger together than apart. I believe that's a big part of what this nation stands for, and yet we're seeing division everywhere in this nation. And I feel one of the major reasons for this is because the spirit of division we've allowed into the church. So this week, I have two special guests and we're going to have a lively roundtable discussion about how can we bring healing to the divided states of America by dealing with the division in the church. No announcements this week. Jumping right in with my guests, Darren Stott, Ryan Johnson. Appreciate you guys being here. Cheers. This Thank is going to be a lively discussion. You guys are in town to be uh, speakers and part of our Heroes Arise Southwest 2021 event this weekend. Thank you for coming in early so we can do some filming. And I really want to thank you for being a part of this discussion because like many people, not just in this nation but around the world, the USA has really been on my heart lately. Um, and for, for months, I think it's on God's heart. And I think it's on a lot of people's heart. And I think one of the mistakes that we've made is the passion everybody brought into, especially this last election. We, the, the, the passion contending for what we're believing for on all sides of all the issues, we want that passion, but we've allowed it to divide us as a nation. I believe that the nation always looks like the church looks. As the church goes, so goes the nation. And I think it would be pretty hard to deny that the church is looking just as divided as the nation, and maybe the nation looks as divided as it does because we've allowed a spirit of division in the church. So I believe the way we're going to heal the divided states of America is to deal with this division, this spirit of division, this giving place to the accuser of the brethren in the church. We have to deal with that. We have to stop attacking, maligning one another. It's okay to disagree, but we've made the mistake of dividing and attacking one another. How do we heal that? Go ahead. <laughs> Wow, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> and that's why we invited you, because you're always let's, the answer Let's talk guy. about something different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, I don't know what you think about this, uh, Rob. Well, first of all, thanks for, thanks for inviting me back, because after the last time you had me, I wasn't sure if I was going to invite you back. But, uh, 
And this is live. Yes, this so is live. So we can't edit anything. No, nothing. All right, gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, no. I, okay. So this this thing of being divided, right? And how do we, how do we do this? Uh, I think one way that we could do it is by embracing this recalibration that's taking place within the church. On the outside, it might look like the church is radically fragmented. Yes. But being on the inside, being that we are t that we're, we're two pastors mm -hmm. representing churches. Uh, I different would, areas of the country. Yeah, different areas of the country. It feels like there is a recalibration coming to the church where, um, and, a, and, a, and a militancy that is quite threatening to the kingdom of darkness and to believers that are maybe isolated or where maybe passivity is their dominant disposition. They might see this sort of threatening, but it would seem that as though lines are being drawn in the sand. And I would say that's, that's okay. And it seems as though business as usual is done. Yeah. Um, and that there is this place within the body of Christ where it's like, obviously we're not gonna shape a nation through our vote. Right. So then are we powerless or are we powerful? Mm. And for believers that are saying we are powerful and that the church is the, 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 I would say, I don't know what you think, I think that the local church is the most influential and powerful agency on the planet right now. Mm. Um, and, and what the Lord is doing in the church is so incredible, but many churches won't make it. Mm -hmm. And that has to be okay with us. We're not out taking churches out, but we do see even in Revelation that there are churches that the Lord doesn't honor mm. because of things like losing your first love, compromise, mm. um, tolerating Jezebel, these different things that you right. read to the, to the churches. Right, in the book of Revelation. Yep. Talking, yep, and so I would say on one hand, in the natural, you could say that there's incredible fragmentation and division within the church. However, I would say, and I think the fruit of 2021 is gonna be really, really interesting. We are about to see a fresh anointing in favor uh, in glory come on the local church like, like, like in a way that we haven't seen in the last hundred years because mm -hmm. we're already seeing that in all of our I mean I, I don't want to just talk about something's happening and I just really want to encourage the body of Christ right now that it's actually good Okay. and I think when it's all said and done we will say oh wow it looked because it was chaotic mm -hmm. uh, and, beca and because it looked like it lacked peace because there was something militant in it, because there, at times even a little aggressive. Yeah. It didn't look like maybe um, Jesus, you know, in the book of Matthew, you know, but I think it's gonna look kind of like Jesus in the book of Revelation, and it's gonna produce a true shalom. Okay. Mm. So Darren, Seattle Revival Center, the Northwest, the hotbed of home church of and political home yeah, of Chop. Home of Chaz. Ryan Johnson. Smoky Mountains, yes. Tennessee. Come on. This southern accent is real. <laughs> I have, I've earned it. Uh, we're in eastern Tennessee, Home Church's Summit Church. They're in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and also a part of Life Changers Outreach there as well. Um, but I love what you're saying um, because the thing that kind of speaks out what he's saying too is I think there has to be an acknowledgement of division. If we don't acknowledge it, we don't recognize what needs to be healed, what needs to be redeemed, what needs to be renewed. And so for a lot of things that have been happening within the body of Christ, we've been oblivious or willingly ignoring it rather than dealing with it head on. 
And so even with the political landscape, even with COVID, I believe it has exposed a lot of wounds within the body of Christ that actually needs to be acknowledged. I believe especially 2020 revealed the differences in many who are about the fellowship versus the relationship. Wow. And there's a lot of places that the fellowship, let's just get together, let's do this. And I see not all of them when I say this, but I see a lot of them embracing the contention and the strife because they didn't have the authenticity of a relationship. They were just in fellowship with one another. So it's easy for me to attack you online or you online or or argue over politics or whatever the case may be because we're not an actual relationship. Fellowship is a passing by, but a relationship allows us to build something, to communicate Mm -hmm. with one another. I'm not going to bash you when I have a relationship with you. And I think that's been one of the exposures of this that's happening within the body of Christ to be able to say, okay, we've got some things that we've got to work on. And so the acknowledgement that there is a divisiveness within the body of Christ is a huge, massive step towards healing Mm -hmm. and being able to progress forward in that. Because again, I think a lot of times we just swept things underneath the rug for so long and just left it as it was. But now we have no other choice but to address it. Yeah. You know, I think one of the mistakes we can make um, and I talk to my, I'm talking to myself as much as anybody, is when we feel we're right, when we know we're right, we get so focused on being right, we forget to be righteous. And this is to your point. Um, I know I'm right on this topic, so I am entitled to bash you online where you're wrong, as opposed to, I really feel I'm right, but the power of communicating my being right on this topic is actually in doing it righteously. It's more important to be righteous than right. Um, Because I will win people over to truth by being righteous more than by being right. I will show them what's right by being righteous. So to your point about the bashing, so if, especially if I feel, and let's get real, it's usually this all comes because we feel like, oh, I know, I, I really feel like I'm right on this, so I'm going to really let them have it. If we first think, okay, before I'm right, what does righteousness look like? And I'm not going to bash somebody. So one of the things I think we can do is simply stop doing that. You know, the, the classic teaching of Jesus about deal with the log in your own eye before you deal with the splinter in the other eye, we, in, in, your, in your, your brother's eye. One of the things we have to look at is when he talks about the log, when you do the, the, the word study and all that, really what I believe he's getting at is, okay, there could be a splinter in your eye, and that's going to affect how you see something. Because think about if you had it. You might be screaming. But if I have a log in my eye, it just doesn't affect how I see you. I don't see you, right? So I think he's saying before anything else, see that person know that in me you are the body so you have a relationship so go beyond fellowship into relationship value them as i value them embrace that and allow relationship love trust honor to be the foundation because then once that's there you can actually talk through these things i think the mistake we're making is we are letting what we disagree on divide us more than who we do agree on unite us yeah, you know, I wonder why do we feel like we need to be justified in being right? Because that parable that you're talking mm-hmm. about there, again, after I deal with the log in my own eye, I still have to go to my brother. So I still got to deal with righteousness in this, you know, being right with Christ. But unfortunately for a lot of us, there's this 
I don't, I don't know what it is. There's this urgency within us to be justified in I was right. I was right in this. I don't have to be right when individuals can recognize the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. But within so many right now, and I don't know if it's necessarily all social media driven that gives us we're keyboard warriors and we're brave and strong, you know, behind the keypad, but we're not willing to have those face-to-face conversations. You know, one of the things that I've said a lot lately is we live in an age of communication, but we have lost the ability to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 eating at me, but I, I as you were saying that, I'm going, why is there that mm-hmm. need to be justified? Because again, it's not about being justified. Where is the justification of Christ? Yeah. Where is that at? How can I point those individuals to that? If if I celebrate being right, but you don't come out of bondage or strongholds or whatever it is, what have I really achieved other than stating my opinion to be right? So how do we heal from that? I think we really have to be able to put a proper perspective on are we trying to be right because we love that feeling, you know, I was justified in my argument. I was justified in my defense. Or is it one of those things where, you know, I I always think about Jesus had a lot to say, but when he's facing Pilate, he says nothing. He stands there and says nothing. You know, he does quote one thing to Pilate, but it's such a strong statement. And that's where I'm going, okay, I know I may have something to say, but is it more important for me to release what the Father is saying versus what my idea or my opinion is? And that's the balance that I think we've got to be able to bring healing in the church. Yeah. I also think that the church just needs to learn uh, uh, what it means to be assertive because there's a lot of passive-aggressive behaviors uh, within, within the church. I know in the old days you'd have a television set and you would just have to listen to what people were saying and you didn't have no say in the matter. Mm-hmm. But now nobody really does television. I mean, now it, we're, we're on our, our screens, on our phones, on yeah. our laptops. And it's not just the television. you got a wonderful little field called the comment field. Right. And it'd be easy for us to say, hey, people should just be kind in the comments. And, but we know that that, has, that kindness is not the natural disposition of humanity. Mm-hmm. Even going back to Paul's letters to the church, a lot of times he's actually addressing the critics. He's mm-hmm. actually addressing a lot of the negative news, a lot of the fake news that's being said about him and about Christianity, and he's addressing the critics. And I would like to see that because uh, it'd be easy for a conversation with church leaders at a table to say people just need to be nicer on Facebook. But I think that as leaders, we need to be more assertive and more confrontational as Christian leaders within the church to hear these comments that are coming up and to address what people's concerns, really what their fears are. A lot of stuff that I'm seeing on Facebook that's negative, it's not really what people are saying. Is that there's that there's a real strong feeling of powerlessness that's it. Um, behind mm, it. That's it. And I think that as Christian leaders, we can't just say that that's negative or that that's mean or that's divisive. But we need to say, listen, there's some themes that are coming up here. And as Christian leaders, I don't think that it, it, that us getting along is necessarily the win. I don't think that that's what Jesus was talking about in John 17 when he's this the most intimate of prayers, what I believe is the Lord's prayer, is mm-hmm. John 17, that we would be one as he is, is, is one. And I think that sometimes we're trying to reverse engineer what our concept of what unity is mm. um, within, the, within the church. 
And I think that as leaders, we need to be far more proactive to, to, to assertively address these issues and to really figure out what it means to empower these commenters or these negative comments, to find out what's really going on here. Because there, there are some vi people are terrified, Christians are terrified in our country right now because of very unwise choices that are being made by our government. Yeah. And it does not make me feel like when I hear that we just need to pray for our president, okay, that's great, let's pray for, but you can't simply say, Darren, that's your only right. role as a believer is just to pray for President Biden and to seek that the church gets along because there's a lot more at play. So I think that as leaders, we, we have to learn to listen. We know how to talk, yes. but do we know how to read these comments and to read these very real fears and concerns that are in the church and have, to have some honest conversations and re recognize that people are looking for leaders that'll just, that'll be honest, that'll level with them, you know, and I think that that would go, I think that'd go a long way. And I'm not really seeing, I'm seeing kind of one-sided conversations, either super one way or super the other way. And I think that we really have to meet people where they're at and there is a feeling of powerlessness and, and we need, and I believe a solution is that as believers, we need to teach our people how to fight because they, yeah. if, if we are powerless and we, if we are not given the tools how to fight for righteousness, how to properly take a stand, then they're going to feel like the only place we have to go is in the comment field yeah. on Facebook. I think you said something very important, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot in the last year as I see so much more anger out there, and especially anger in the church and especially on the chat boards. I was meditating on it, and I was asking the Lord in prayer one morning, where is all this anger coming from? And you nailed it. What he showed me is the lie of anger is it feels powerful in the moment. That's and we're told That's in it. Scripture, anger gives a foothold to the enemy. So we know that anger is a trap of the enemy. But why do we give place to it? Because we feel powerless. So in that moment, being angry <laughs> makes me feel powerful. But it's not real power. It's, it's not kingdom power, it's actually dark power. So the antidote to that is not so much to beat somebody up for giving place to it, but the antidote to that is something the Lord's been speaking to me for years, help remind my people how truly powerful they are, to realize we are dominion stewards in the earth, to realize just because we didn't get a result we were believing for or praying for, A doesn't mean prayer doesn't work, and B doesn't mean we have no power. It means we need to be more certain of the truth, of the power we have as dominion stewards in the earth, that the word of God does not fail, it never returns void, it accomplishes all it's sent forth to do. So if I'm not seeing what I expect, that doesn't mean it doesn't work, I'm powerless, now I'm afraid, so now I'm giving place to the wrong thing, anger, and becoming part of the problem, not part of the solution. I need to remember, wait a minute, I'm so powerful, and right now I'm giving my power to the wrong thing. If I'm giving my power to flaming people and being angry, I'm not just part of the not part of the solution, I'm actually part of the problem. Mm. So I think we have to help remind people. I know it looks and feels like you're powerless because you didn't get what you were expecting, but this isn't about getting what we're expecting. This is about partnering with God in the victory of Jesus Christ, knowing that no matter what, we have the victory, we declare the victory, we stand for the victory, and realizing part of our power is not only individually with Christ and everything I'm talking about, but we have to wake up to part of our power is corporately together. You know, Come we on. see this Come in on. Acts. Come on. What made place for the great move of the Spirit 
amongst a wicked government and a wicked system in the day that was persecuting Christians in the day, what made place for it? Them being of one accord. And as we've talked before, one accord doesn't mean in complete theological agreement or complete political agreement. It means being in the same place at the same time with the same focus, Jesus Christ. Come on. And over 10 days, stuff had to come up, but they chose to stay of one accord in unity, focused on God, focused on the promise of the Father. And even if it wasn't going according to plan, because we know it was going to be 10 days, they didn't. They chose to stay together and choosing unity, not turning on each other, not flaming each other made place for the spirit to land and everything to be impacted I think about that and I think about the word you're using on conflict I think for whatever reason that is like a, a word that just causes a lot of panic in a lot of American Christians I don't know about other nations as well as across the world but American Christians how we can't be conflicted. We can't be controversial. We can't be, you know, yes, we want unity, but what does unity look like? How does that function? How does that operate? And I, and I find myself asking, why are we not more passionate about what we believe Come in? On. Why are we not more sold out? Why are we not more vocal? Have we drank the Kool-Aid of a false gospel? Wow. Have we Wow. Have we uh, settled for, you know, the sloppy agape and the greasy grace and we just don't really have that zeal? Because when I, I think about that upper room and I think how Simon Peter comes out of it mm -hmm. versus Simon Peter mm -hmm. in the four Gospels, I'm seeing totally two different individuals. And I know the Christianese is for me to be say, well, he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and that was the power that went out. And I get that. I genuinely get that. But where's that zeal at within the body of Christ right now where we were willing to defend the word of God? And a lot of people say God doesn't need defended. God doesn't need, we don't need to be argumentative. And I'm not looking to start an argument with anybody. But at the same time, I can't permit something for the sake of not defending the gospel. Uh, we can look through the scripture where many individuals had to do these things. They had to stand for what was truth. I even go back to Elijah. You know, at the moment, even though we cheer him on and he's kind of mocking the false gods and everything, but that still had to be done. Mm -hmm. That still had to be demonstrated and exemplified. And for us, as, as sons and daughters of God right now, I believe it is vital that we begin to recognize how important an authentic relationship is with our walk with the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, and with one another, that I co-labor with you, I don't compete with you. I don't right. have to outdo you. I don't have to, you know, outperform you. Be I, more right than you. Yeah, yeah, I don't have to be in those things. I don't have to worry about you do something better than me or you do something better than me because whatever I bring to the table balances out what is in that process. But at the same time, Everything that is being presented in the world right now is what is actually dividing the church. Mm. Because the, 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 I guess you would say the types and shadows of mockery that the world throws back to the church, that's what we find ourselves arguing over a lot of times. And I'm going, why is that? Why are we in that process? And again, I come back, we, we were having, having lunch earlier today and I was, I 
just the wheels turning and I'm going, I don't know if we know how to actually defend the Word of God because right. we don't actually know the Word mm. of God. Is the level of ignorance what is, and I mean ignorance in its right definition, right. I'm not calling anyone stupid, right, right. just the lack of knowledge yeah. of the Word of God, is that what is keeping us behind? Because I know my opinion, because I'm strong yeah. about my opinion, but what about the truth of this, to be able to stand with the Word of God and be able to have that confrontational conversation, that dialogue, that means, hey, we may get a little heated here and there. Now, let me ask this, because I agree with that, but one of the things I often see bringing the division into the, the church is that we do disagree on theological interpretation of the Word. Now, I agree 100% with what you said, and I agree we must know the Word, the Word is the truth, the Word is our plumb line, but what do we do when that division comes because we both know the Word, but we don't agree on what it means? Uh, <laughs> I just had this conversation this week, actually. One of the things I... There's two things I do not like to hear. Is one, someone say, I need you to come in agreement with an unspoken prayer request. I don't like that because I, I don't think you can do that. It's, that's oblivious to reality, that you can't come in agreement with anything that you don't know. The other thing is, we just got to agree to disagree. The only thing that can ever be agreed on disagreement is actually a divorce, hmm. a breaking of covenant. Hmm. We can't agree to disagree on anything. What we have to do is iron sharpens iron. We have to be able to walk things through. Okay. And we determine whether or not we can get to the place where we both understand one another, where we're coming from, and then we figure out, do we go on together or do we go on separate journeys? Now, this is what I mean by this. Paul and Barnabas had a heated confrontation. If you study it out, yeah. it was a not down drag out. That's a southern term, you know. So they were angry at each other over John Mark, and they separated for a season, they separated. And then they eventually come back, but Paul takes John Mark on a journey. I think there's times that that's going to happen. And the dividing line is whether or not something is heresy. If it's a heretical mm. message, yes. I had someone that I was close to for a long time and it came down to a, a, a message of heresy. And I said, I cannot co-labor with this because it is heresy. Their response back to me was, I just don't understand why you can't agree to disagree. I said, I can't agree with a, a, a message that has heresy attached to it. That's the dividing line. What that means is, I still love you, I still will honor you, but we can't co-labor together. Doesn't mean that we you know, attack each other and we become zealous towards one another in the sense that right. we slander. It just means this is where our journey together separates okay. and we're still part of the body of Christ. Okay. And I think one thing that we have to be careful with a conversation like this is that it, there could be this idea of that the church is, the church is divided and there is so much division within the church right now. But I got to be careful that we're not overframing that. Okay. Yeah. And the reason why is uh, I've heard several uh, pretty big name ministries recently say uh, that the church is so wounded right now because of the prophets that said that Trump was going to come into office and then didn't it. So the church is so wounded and so and many Christians are backsliding right now hmm. because Trump did not step in and people are so confused. And uh, we've got a, over a thousand people that consider Sarah Bible Center their home church. And, um, and I'm not seeing that in okay. Seattle Bible Center. I, I don't know if you're seeing people backslide at your church because Trump didn't make it in office. What I, I'm nervous 
that we're taking narratives on social media and making that oh, a reality upon the church point. when the majority of the most vocal people on social media don't even attend a Sunday morning church service. And, uh, and the reason why I know that is because I've done surveys with people on social okay. media and I've, and I've seen some of, these, some of these stats. The people that are the most uh, confused and the most heartbroken, the most like, I don't know how my faith is gonna survive this. Okay, so who are you doing life with? Mm. Oh, interesting. You haven't been out of your jammies in the last year. And so that's where I feel like um, I want to make sure that we're not taking these things. Oh, the church is so like, no, nah, I don't I don't think so. Okay, I, good. Like, and, good. And, 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 I, and I know, you know, I'm not saying I know all the people in the world, and I'm not saying that it's impossible to be in health. But I'm telling you, if you're in a healthy spiritual community, you're not losing your mind right now, and you're not giving the, the prophets the bird. If right. you're in a healthy spiritual community, you still believe in the prophets. You still believe in God's will for the church and God's will for our country. Yes. And, and how can you have hopelessness eating away at your heart if you're in a healthy spiritual community? I, I don't That's see it. So excellent I got to make we need to make sure that we're not like like trying to like create a narrative in the church based off of a people that are just yeah. completely isolated and. You know, so Facebook does not define the reality of the church. That's really good. I could say the same thing about our church, Shiloh Fellowship, is were there people who were confused? Yes, but because we have a healthy spiritual community, we're talking through these things. What is, what, where does that come out of? Unity, being there with each other, being there for each other. So I think that's an outstanding point, is we don't want to, we don't want to not address the issues, but we address them so that we can have clarity, understanding and move forward together. One of those things, and you guys have both individually um, written on these, spoken on these, and I think it's important. So I think one of the things that helps is when we bring clarity, talking about unity, talking about bringing healing in the church, healing in the nation, one of the things that often comes up is peacekeeper versus peacemaker. Both of you have written and spoken on this quite a bit. Share a little bit, because I think it's very helpful. And again, this gets into the area where sometimes people get nervous when we talk about this, because we're not talking about creating conflict, we're talking about what is the legitimate solution to conflict. Um, if the goal is to, and I'll let you guys address it because you say it better than I do, but if our goal is to keep the peace, what if the peace is in the midst of dysfunction and darkness as opposed to making peace by helping to establish him who is peace in the church and in the culture? Come on. Ooh. Ooh. It's such an awesome question. All right, so peace, right? The Hebrew word shalom. It's not a noun. It's a verb, and it means to drive out, right? To violently, Ooh. aggressively, to drive out the chaos that is bringing anxiety. So Paul mm. would say to shot up your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he's using a Roman soldier as an analogy for how we should uh, arm ourselves so that we're battle ready, so that we're not falling down, having done all to stand firm. So if the most important thing is that we're equipping believers in this time to stand firm and to not fall down in this slippery, muddy terrain, knowing that if you fall down, the enemy could take you right out, right? Yeah. And if it's going to be peace, it's going to keep you standing. You have to look at the Romans' shoes, and these were not Birkenstocks. These mm. were not hippie shoes. We think of peace like, peace, <laughs> wow. man. No, no, no. This is to violently wow. drive out the chaos you know, that stirs up anxiety. So Roman shoes were cleated shoes with big nails that stuck out the bottom. In fact, if they had to, a Roman soldier could actually kick 
his opponent and that his shoe would be could be used as a weapon. So our shoes of peace, when we think of peace, we, we think of, we're not the peacekeepers, we're not the UN, we all know how helpful the UN mm. is, but God has not called the kingdom of God to be as helpful as the United Nations. No, he's called for us to be the army of Christ yeah. and that we would have cleated war shoes of peace, that we would not be uh, getting knocked down, we're going to stand firm and that this picture of a peacemaker is like Wyatt Earp's mm. peacemaker, mm. what was that, Colt 45 yeah. or something, that he would that it was a peacemaker because in order to make peace, you have to have injustice. Yeah. You have to have the chaos. And then in would step in the lawmaker, the peacemaker, yeah. white stinking herb to judge the bandit, the bad guys, and to restore order. And that's what the church needs to be doing. We need to take off our Birkenstocks. Yeah. We need to stop worrying about our feathered hair. And we need to put on our cleated shoes, our war shoes, and we need to get back in the muddy uh, battle mm. terrain. But to be clear, because I agree with what you're saying, <laughs> but we've got to make sure, and it's something we're talking about a lot today, but we're talking about it for a reason. And by today, I don't just mean here and now. I mean in the church today. We have to remember that when we're doing that, we're not warring against flesh and blood. We're actually warring for flesh and blood by warring against powers and principalities. So when we're doing that, the bandit that we're driving out are the powers and principalities bringing the division, bringing the chaos, bringing the fear, bringing all of that. And then we're actually contending for those we disagree with, not contending against them. I think a lot of times if we just look at the word peace, it's an idea. It's um, something you dream about. I was watching, um, I'm a big documentary guy. I love learning and challenging my thought. And on the plane here, I was watching a documentary on Johnny Cash when he went to the White House um, during the Nixon years. And they're in the middle of Vietnam, you know, and they showed a lot of the protests and everything, peace, peace, peace. And it, it hits me that what they were calling for in that generation was the end of war. Mm. So the idea of peace is not fighting. Mm. That idea has still hit the church. Mm -hmm. The good. idea of peace is we don't do anything. We just obtain this level of peace, which the hippie version of mm. it, the peace-loving Jesus who just comes in and causes nothing to be uh, disrupted. But the Greek word for peace, maker, is actually to harmonize. It means to lighten the ship. But here's the thing. It means to cast out, and it means not to be moved. So there's something that speaks to me about that definition because it means cast out what? Cast out the division, cast out the darkness, cast out the anger, cast out the, to be able to establish peace, which you say is a verb, it's a plural word. It's never sustaining in that. You literally make peace. You make peace in a violent place where there's something that has to be overcome, has to be overthrown, to cast out, cast out demons, cast out whatever the case may be. But at the same time, a willingness not to be moved, which is those spikes. Mm. Those mm. spikes, yeah. when they had to toe the line and stand there, they dug their heels into the ground so that they would not be moved from whatever that is. And that's what I wonder about the body of Christ because... In the peacekeeping, the idea is, well, we just got to do whatever we got to right, do. Right. Don't cause it. Don't rock the boat. Right, right. Don't, don't cause any harm. We just got to keep peace. But to be a peacemaker, we don't put our heads in the sand. It, it is, and, and it is a very confrontational word when you look at it in its true mm. meaning. You know, blessed are the peacemakers who are the sons of God. The sons of God. That's how yeah, Jesus awesome? said yeah. that. So awesome. Yeah. The sons yeah. of God, the kingdom is advanced. 
and you have to take it is it is a takeover where you know the disciples had this issue where they were constantly asking Jesus when is your kingdom coming when is your kingdom coming and he kept telling them the kingdom's within you but it Come was on. going over their head Come on. and they weren't getting it and still today we're like the disciples that we don't get it we keep well we just let's just have peace you know I don't want anybody to be upset with me it's better that everyone like you than everyone hate you but then Jesus said the world will hate you yeah not because of who you are don't think too much of yourself right. they hate me that is in them and that's what Christ said and I think that's the problem with the peacekeeper mentality you know don't say anything we gotta and I'm not please hear my heart when I say this I'm not being critical. I'm just making a, a acknowledgement of where we're at. We have many congregations, many fellowships, many people, many leaders who aren't willing to stand on the truth of God's word. They're not willing not to be moved. They're going to move with the flow of the culture because they've become enamored with the applause of the culture mm. rather than the applause of heaven. Mm. And the only time heaven really ever applauds what earth is doing is when the kingdom is enlarged that's and good. advanced. That's good. You know, hey, I, go ahead. Sorry, that's no, just go ahead. Respond. Okay, so, um, so there's there's a passive form. There's a passivity, and then there could be um, a very uh, what we got to watch out for is that we don't enter into the Antifa spirit that would like to manifest within the church sure. where it takes a revelation like this. You're saying that you need to wage war in order to bring peace, right? because there is a worldly application of what we're talking about. It's the Antifa spirit where the end justifies the means. And what you see is in the Marxist manifesto right. in these different places where, where we are so allowed to create destruction mm. uh, in order to bring, and so the way you're seeing that applied in Portland and in Seattle is that we will engage in anarchy and it's the anarchy symbol and it, that will bring us to the peace symbol. And that's part of this uh, Marxist, Manifesto is that we will engage in uh, uh, very, very unhealthy, destructive on our own businesses, on our own uh, within the kingdom of God. It would it would be that we're going to destroy ministries in our own streams. We're going to destroy mm. leaders who are who we're, we're supposed to be co-laboring with, and it's okay. Right. We can destroy them because it's going to lead to, and what we're doing is we're engaging in an Antifa spirit in the church where we're breaking out the windows in our own businesses yeah. and, and, that, and that sort of thing in the name of that we are going to get out our, so we have to watch that kind of thing as well mm -hmm. because that's coming into the church right, right so now. And a lot of, and if we're not aware of it, so I think that, no, it's, it's about like when it comes to the shalom of the Lord, when it comes to the peace of God, when you're operating it, you see, we went down into CHOP and we spent four days, the last four days in the CHOP zone, and we did not attack people. The people that were underneath that spirit, we ministered to yeah. them and we loved them and they went through deliverance and they would receive Christ right. because the people were not the enemy. They were underneath, they're being used unwittingly. We went to Portland where that spirit, the antichrist spirit, you could almost taste it in the air. It, it was, I've never seen anything like mm -hmm. spending those four hours in Portland. Mm -hmm. We left there about midnight mm -hmm. when all the tear gas started filling mm -hmm. the streets. And I mean, it was an antichrist spirit and the, the militancy. And yet the, the people that were right on the front lines of that, shaking the fences, gas masks, all that, we saw them be open to the gospel wow. and, and, and again, receive Christ. We saw two salvations in Portland. 
And so what's interesting there is that, yes, we have to be able to separate the person from the principality, yeah. even if the person yeah. is, is like the Pinocchio underneath an evil puppet master. Right. And that's tricky to do. Yeah, it is. Um, but we really got to watch our, that we don't go to an unrighteous means in the present to get to a desired outcome. Well, and I think when we talk peace, that goes right to John 20. When the disciples were quite literally locked up in fear, it says they were behind closed doors because they were afraid, because they didn't understand what was going on, because of hope deferred, fill in the blank. But they are literally locked up in fear and metaphorically locked up in fear. The victorious risen Lord steps through the wall and what does he say? Peace be unto you. And when you look at what that word is in the Greek, it's irene. One of the ways it can mm. be translated is the blessed state of a devout and upright man after death. So Jesus is coming through in victory and saying, I know you're freaking out. I know you're afraid. I know you're feeling powerless. I know nothing went the way you thought it would, but I am here. The key to stepping into this is peace, but it's not that, you know, hippie super surfer chill <laughs> peace. Right. It's this, you start by dying to self. Wow. If you die to self, then you can come fully alive in me. And this comes back to one of my core messages, and we already talked about it. I think one of the main solutions is that we as leaders help the individual people in the body of Christ, especially those who are suffering right now, whether it's a few or a lot, the first thing we have to do is remind them of the power they have in Christ to bring change. First to hear, hear, and hear. And it starts by dying to those manifestations of lies, fear, anger, flaming one another, creating division instead of unity. If we can help them obtain that peace, then they can be peacemakers. They can go into the most chaotic places like CHOP and bring him who is peace and see him move in power as opposed to in that moment, you had to die to offense, to anger, to this is wrong, this is hypocritical, this is crazy. But you died to all that so you could be in peace, die to self, come fully alive to Christ and give the peacemaker away and help settle things there. Mm. So here's my question for you guys, because we got to close. One thing that you would say that every single one of our amazing viewers that's out there, a hero on the rise, the wonderful men, the wonderful women who watch this show, but as part of God's solution, we always say they're part of God's solution, they're Amen. difference makers for God. What is one thing that you can say that they can do to help be part of the solution in bringing unity to the church and then through the church bringing unity back to this nation? For me, a couple of years ago, I, you know, I, I'm not as old as I think I am, but I'm definitely not as young as I once was. But a couple of years ago, I honestly thought I was having a mental breakdown mm. because in one moment I would be so angry at everything I was seeing. Mm. And then the next moment, I was just weeping, uncontrollable weeping. And I thought because that range of emotions was happening so quickly, I thought, that's it, I'm snapping, I'm having a mental breakdown, I don't know what's happening. And I would say, I believe I'm turning into the old man screaming, get off my lawn. Mm. And <laughs> all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me one day, and he said, when Jesus took the whip, fashioned it, ran him out of the temple, overturned the tables, he was angry. And I said, yes. He goes, where was the temple? So I had to think back, went to the scripture, the temple's in Jerusalem. And then he took me to the passage of scripture where Jesus is standing, looking at Jerusalem and weeping over them. And the Lord said, I'm teaching you how to weep over the ones that anger you. Mm. 
And what the Lord has taught me, and to answer that question is, there's nothing wrong with being angry at times. Be angry and sin not. We, we, we can get frustrated when mm-hmm. we see the kingdom being attacked, whatever the case it may be, or how the body may be hurting. But have we learned to truly weep over those matters? Mm-hmm. Before we say anything, before we do anything, have we wept over them? Have we wept over the conversations? Have we wept over the individuals? Mm-hmm. So if I could say anything to anybody, it is learn how to weep even in the midst of the frustrations or the disappointments or the anger. Because here again, Jesus, the people that he is angry at are the same ones he's weeping for. And that's where I believe the one thing that we can do right now in this hour, and it's one of the things I guard myself. I may have a heavy prophetic word that is repent, 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 repent. Before I release that word, I got to learn to weep over that word. Because if I don't weep over that word, then I'm just going to release it from a place of unrighteous anger and it's going to be bitter and it's not going to do what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It's how I am able to separate flesh from spirit because the flesh at times may anger me, but I weep over the flesh because I understand the battles in the spirit. Why are you pointing at me saying flesh? (laughs) I mean, just because I'm wearing a black jacket or something like you don't have to be like this the devil. Seattle. <laughs> you be like Jesus. You don't, you, don't have, you don't have to be like the hip, hip, hipster generation. Oh, my. Excellent. Like Excellent. the flesh. Seek God for a tender heart, especially towards those you disagree with, because let's get real. Whether it's in the church or it's in government or in the media, Jesus Christ died for them too. And to be part of the solution, we have to connect to his truth but we also have to connect with his heart yeah come on it's so good and ryan i so appreciate just your podcast and the resources that you're creating to really steward this in our generation and and so thank you just for your faithfulness to the church same here know, bro and, and just all the di- you're just going after it in so many different ways and and so um yeah man and i was just going to say one thing that came to mind is that we would make a commitment to a five-year fight okay and i'll tell you what i mean if I were Jesus right now, I'd be like, the kingdom of God is like a seed. And you need to plant it. Mm. Or you need to, let's go, let's go plow. You got to plow it, plant it, water it, and you'll harvest it. And mm. it's not going to happen in a day. You see, I think the church, I mean, especially in our stream, the supernatural stream, you know, where, yeah. we, where we, we think that a good conference is where you get a magic wand and you just tap it on everything. God's going to give you a million dollars, a weight loss miracle, and more hair. And I think that G- we saw that kind of stuff with Jesus. Right. But right. his parables were always teaching the value of process wow. and sequence within the kingdom. In fact, I don't see any any sort of escapist mentality in Jesus. Like it was always like he was preparing. He was always talking about not just the gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom. He's like, we got to think more like a kingdom. Yeah. And they're like, what? You know. He's like, yeah, a kingdom has a king, and it's got values and laws, and it's got a long-term trajectory. And so I think that for a lot of us in the church right now, I, I keep hearing people being like, they're not thinking five years. Mm, they're not thinking good. about a five-year fight. Mm. In fact, you know, people that are listening to mm-hmm. QN, they're like, no, 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 have you heard? You know, the new date is this, and President Trump's going to come right. in. He's going right. to get his throne back. Right. You know, and, and wherever people are at with that, they just need to really, on like, and it, it, people are powerful, but, it, like, stop listening to QN. I mean, that's deep state trash. So listen, we've got to, I'm sorry, that's my own opinion. That's not gospel, and hopefully it's okay to say something like that. Absolutely is. We need to make, we need to start thinking, church, about 2026. Mm -hmm. And we need to start plowing, planting, 
watering with the idea of harvest. Mm -hmm. This is going to take time. In order to transform a nation, in order to transform the church, we've got to have a long-term theology and trajectory. Who do you want to be in 2026? Where do you want to be in 2026? What kind of army do you want to be associated with? What's your city going to look like? Oh, gosh, you're saying that I'm going to have to dream. You're saying I'm going to have to go back and get some prophetic words to hear the, the promises over my family, the promises over my business, the promises over... Yeah, exactly. And then the prophetic strategies of how to see those come forth. Come on, come on, come on. And so I want for people to make a commitment to the five-year mm. fight and, and that we would stop thinking about 2021. No, 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 come on, come on, come on. 2021 is already done, dude. It, we got to get five years out, and we got to start being far more strategic and intentional about how are we using our time, That's how are we good. using our resources, where are we sowing, where are we planning right now. I'm at where I'm at right now because of what I was planning a year ago. Yeah. And so we've got to think like farmers, and farmers are always thinking about the next season, what's coming, uh, the, the winter's coming. We got to make sure that we're ready for winter. We got to yep. make sure that we're ready for spring. So we got to make sure that that we're ready for summer. And because fall's coming, and we're going to reap a harvest because of how we've been stewarding these previous seasons. So I really want people to make a commitment to the five-year fight. Think, you know, 2020. You know, let's yep. get out of ways, yep. and let's and let's really start living our lives with a new level of intentionality. Outstanding. I love that. Really good. Really, really good. And for me. What helps keep me on a track like that is very simple, and I already mentioned it, but it's for me, it's my plumb line of core kingdom values to begin with, but then holding myself accountable to them before I hold anybody else yes. accountable to them. And for me, that looks like valuing being righteous more than being right. I mean, the, the truth has power, so being right is important. Living in the righteousness of God, though, is even more important That's because right. if we're righteous, we will be right. That's right. If we focus on being right, we will make excuses not to be righteous, and then we become part of the problem, not part of the solution. So I think we would do each other a big favor if we're willing to hold ourselves accountable before we hold anybody else Amen. accountable. Amen. And so much of that comes out of community. I have people in my life who love me enough to hold me accountable to the core kingdom values that we have agreed to live from and build upon. I had one of one of my, my, my spiritual mother called me last week and said, hey, I want to process through something with you. Wow. Something I noticed, I don't even think you're aware of, I know it's not your heart, can wow. I share it with you? I'm wow. like, absolutely. Wow. And when, I, when we were done with that conversation, my response was, thank you for loving me enough to point that out because I didn't see it, but now that you explain it to me, I totally see how it could be seen that way. Thank you for loving me enough to trust that wasn't my heart, but just as much loving me to say how this is being perceived and received, because that's not what I want. So hold ourselves accountable before we hold others accountable. That's good. Be more concerned about being righteous than right. And one of the easiest ways to do that, because as I've learned from my mentor, the nature of deception is you don't know you're deceived. So we need people in our lives. And that's all one thing. I know it's a big thing, but it's all one thing. And I also love what you guys shared. Thank you. Any final words? I, I just love that story because you're saying that relationship gives permission. Yes. Yes. That's such a vital thing right there. That relationship you have gave permission for them to call that out. And that's and, what we And mean. that goes back to what you were saying. We have more than fellowship. It started with fellowship, but it became relationships. So I didn't perceive that's it as an attack because I trust her heart for me as that's my good. spiritual mother. So even if my flesh wanted to rise up and be like, that's not what I meant. It's not yeah. fair that you, it's like, no, wait a minute. I know this person. I know this person's heart for me. 
I trust this person. So even if I didn't agree with it, which by the way, especially if you're watching, I totally did. Saw it once you <laughs> shared it with me. Thank you. But it's it but it comes from that relationship. I love that. That's good. And we're not going to have that if we're not willing to develop it. That doesn't just happen. It comes from being to, to being able to walk together, processing through together. And that's one of the things that we've talked about here and that you shared, Ryan, so well is have we, we, we're in the era of communication, but we've lost the ability to have a conversation. We've lost the ability to process. We're too quick to divide. And I often think even if somebody does something offensive, don't be too quick to divide because you can learn something from it. Mm -hmm. How many times have I done something offensive to Jesus, even as a believer? He doesn't divide from me. He pours out his love upon on, me. Almost every time the Lord has ever corrected me, there's a few times he's taken me to the woodshed and I'm grateful, but usually his correction sounds something like this. We both know that's not what you're really like. That's right. And in that moment of love, I think, that's not what I'm really like. Thank you for helping me see it. That's what my spiritual mother did for me. She basically said, I don't even think you know how this is being perceived. We both know this isn't what you're really like. Wow. Thank you for helping me see it. That's Darren, so any final words? I love you, Robert. I love you, too. I love you, Ryan. I love you, sir, and I appreciate what you're doing in Seattle. I love, I was watching from a distance yeah. you guys going into CHOP and everything. And to me, that's that's kingdom demonstration. Mm. And and this is the one thing I, I do want to say to anyone else that is, is watching. When you see the kingdom being demonstrated, even if it's something you wouldn't do, be thankful for those who are willing wow, that's to right. do yeah. That's right. Yeah, cheer them on. Instead of criticizing, you ain't got no business being there. Church shouldn't be there. No, cheer them on. That's right. The, the reality is they could not be called to do what you're doing, and that's the reason I'm so thankful for individuals that are doing what they're supposed to do. Okay. You guys have podcasts. You have web pages. Let everybody know where they can continue to hear from you and receive from you. And it looks like you have one more thing you want to yeah, add. I, I don't want to miss it. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah, miss yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say it. Okay, so... I just, I just uh, plead people, plead, pleading with people to not believe the lie that they're powerless. Good. Uh, and that they're radically powerful and that the church is radically powerful. And so even ending this, we just declare that the church yes. is more divided, more united, sorry. Let's start over. Yeah. We'll edit that out. Pray Good that thing out. we're not live. Yeah. <laughs> good thing. Uh, Look into your camera and okay. pray this out over everybody, good. actually, because this is good. good. This kind of sums up everything we've All talked right. about. Lights, camera, <laughs> action. We'll cut in here. Um, so right now, we just declare that the church is not divided yeah. and that the church is united. And we declare the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ from mm -hmm. John 17, that we are being known for true love, not nominal love, not surface level love, but the kind of love that's demonstrated from a father who sends his only begotten son to live and to die and to resurrect for a fallen humanity. And so, Father, we thank you that there is a stirring, there is an awakening in the church right now. It is unprecedented, it's disruptive, it's scary, but we declare in you we trust. And we give you thanks for this great recalibration and, you, and, 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 this, and this, this organized strategic chaos that you're doing, because we know that when the dust settles, that the bride of Christ yes, is going yes. to arise and shine in the manifest glory of God, where the awesomeness of God is going to be restored and is being restored to the church in this hour. Lord, we declare in you we trust. Yes. And Lord, we declare we love your bride. Yes. We love your church. 
Thank you, Lord. Yes. Amen. Yeah. What was your website? Oh, yeah, yeah. my website is darrenisnumberone.com. No. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just wow. kidding. No, it's, it's Darren's thought. <laughs> don't go to that because I don't know where it'll take you. Yeah, seriously. No, go to Darren. <laughs> I should buy that. It's uh, darrenstott.com. Where are you at? How do we find you? <laughs> Oh man, I so want to do something, but I'm not going to do that. So self-control. I like it. Yes. I like it. Pray for me. Uh, RyanJohnson.us, and you can find everything on there. But I, again, I want to say thank you so much, Robert, yeah, come on. for allowing us to be able to do this. I honor you. Mm-hmm. I respect you. I sincerely appreciate the work that you're doing, not just for men because it goes beyond men, mm-hmm. but what you are cultivating in the kingdom right mm-hmm. now has great value and worth, and I appreciate you, love you, and just, I am for you. Amen, thank you so much. I feel the same about you guys. Also, be sure to check out their podcast. Ryan Johnson does a wonderful podcast called The Blacksmith Chronicles, all the usual podcast platforms. Yours is The Supernaturalist, Supernaturalist correct? podcast show, yep. Love it, you can, and you can also get them on YouTube, the video versions. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you so much for being part of the solution. Thank you so much for having this conversation because we need to start doing this again in the church, especially if we're not in total agreement on things. As Mm -hmm. you said, learn to listen, learn to have a conversation, and then let's move forward together for the kingdom in the earth. Come on. Thank you for being here as well. You know, you are part of the solution. You are a hero arising. Go out there and make a difference. Thanks for being with us. It is our privilege to create all the media that we do for you. And hey, if you're in a position to come alongside of that and sow into it, we would welcome it. You can go to roberthodgkin.com or menonthefrontlines.com and click the donate or the giving button. But also know this, we are very aware that with this last year, a lot of people are in lots of different circumstances. And we want you to know if you're not in a position to sow into us, that's absolutely okay. We are here for you. And we'll continue to create media. We'll continue to make it available for free. We'll continue to sow into you. We believe in you, you are a hero arising, and we will see you here again next week for another Heroes Arise.